Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we've been waiting for hours to talk to you because we are in St. George, Utah, a place that you should not be this time of year because it was 102 degrees today. It's a winter RV Mecca because it's in the far southwest corner of Utah where it's low. Therefore, it is hot and warm in the winter. We've been here before. We loved it when we were there here then, but we should not be here now. Um, And even though we are in a well-insulated tin can, it is still a tin can. With the the ACs running full blast, yes. So we were trying to wait until we could at least stand to turn off one of the air conditioners to talk to you today. We are here because... We are joining a caravan here. Um, As we told you last month, we were planning on doing this trip with other people because we were tired of being locked up all alone during COVID. You don't like me anymore? Well, I would like a few other points of view once in a while. <laughs> oh, really? Being locked up in a, in a tin can with me is not all that exciting. <laughs> well, I know everything you know. Oh, okay. And you know everything I know. Indeed. So we need some new input. Yes. So this is the RV Navigator Podcast. What episode? Episode 196. 196 for September 2021. Of course, we want to suggest that you visit the webpage if you have any questions about uh, things that we talk about on this episode. I will have the links there as well as links to many other exciting things. We also have our monthly calendar, which has uh, some great pictures that you can use for your background on your computer. Screen. So all the technical stuff is out of the way. We can now get on to the fabulous content and talk about all the disasters we've had this month. <laughs> I like oh. boring trips, and the trip out here Wait, well, has not been you're boring. going with your boring husband. No, no, no. Isn't that, isn't that enough? Not much happens. We're just, we just kind of roll along peacefully and quietly, and everything is working right. Because it often does. You do a good job of keeping our equipment I in try. tip-top shape. But this time, we took our sweet old time to get out here to Utah from Chicagoland. I think it took nine, us nine days. days. Yeah, which is a nice long time. And um, we are afraid well, to say we had some adventures along uh, the way. The first one being that I-70, which is the route we take through and across Colorado, which is an exciting route to begin with, but it is a four-lane superhighway. And we found out that there was a mudslide. <laughs> that took out the road. And it's not going to be finished, it's not going to be fixed, really, until October. Catastrophic mudslide. Yes. As you well know, there have been a lot of forest fires in Colorado, and when it rains hard, then the land washes down the hillsides because there are no roots to hold it anymore. For a while, it sounded like they couldn't even tell whether the roadbed underneath all yes. the mud and rocks was savable <laughs> oh, or whether they just start over from scratch. And so that turned our route to Route 50, which came through the southern part of Colorado from 
east to west. There really aren't that many east to west or west to east roads through Colorado over the mountains. It's just not that many. It looked like the next least challenging way to cut through the Rockies. And so we've been through this part of Colorado before. It's pretty beautiful. With a fifth wheel and remember it fondly. We've been there since since we had a fifth wheel? I don't think so. Really? Not that part of Colorado. Wow. It's been a long time. And one of the high points of our oh, visit... Time flies when you're having a good time <laughs> with your wife. <laughs> one of the high points of our visit was the um, Gunnison, Black Canyon of the Gunnison yes. National Park. I do remember going there. Which is a lightly visited national park. We must say that this entire trip we have not found the need to have reservations. Some of the campgrounds were foolish, and <sighs> some of the campgrounds weren't full at all. All the scary stories we've been hearing all summer oh, yeah. about that you can't get a place to stay. Maybe because all of you young people have sent your children back to school and gone back to work, you're you're not camping anymore. Now they're back um, out of school because of COVID. Yeah, but we found that part of the trip very easy. But we got into Kansas and went to, oh, that was very cool, too. We went to something called Monument Rocks. It was about 25 <laughs> miles south of I-70. Privately owned rocks. And um, <laughs> you think of Kansas as flat as a pancake, and pretty much it is. But all of a sudden, there are these huge monolithic white Cornfields, literally. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was it's, very cool. When we went there, well, very cool by Midwest standards. Well, we were looking for something to do in Kansas. I know, but when you go to the national parks that we're going to be visiting now and other ones that we've already visited, eh, they're nice, but if but any, I got some nice pictures. If any of you are from Kansas, I apologize. <laughs> um, but when we were first seeing the United States for the first time, I believe that Kansas was the last state we visited, and I kept saying to myself, I can see why. So anyway, we went to these monument rocks. Part of the drive was on a dirt road, which may or may not have caused the flat tire on our Jeep that we discovered the next morning when we got up to leave the campground. So I get out to go, we get out to leave, really, and I walk around the vehicles, as I always do, and... Flat tire on the toad. Ooh. But the always prepared Boy Scout got out his handy dandy um, (laughs) pump. You want to say something about your air pump? Inflator. Always carry an inflator. And pump the tire up good enough to to enable us to drive five miles into town. Well, unfortunately, the leak was very slow because it we came back from our trip the day before and, and the tire fine. was fine and of course we have as in most modern cars do we have a tpms built into the cars and it didn't register low air pressure so i had no indication that it was going to be flat i mean flat flat in the morning so i got out the inflator pumped it up and it stayed pumped up to but drive into to oakley where Oakley, Oakley, Kansas. Where's that? <laughs> um, not anywhere you would ever. It was it was a nice town, and the people dropped what they and were going to help. Every us. town has a tire store. Even the smallest town has to have a tire store. So they took the tire off, found two pinholes, plugged them, and in half an hour we were on our way. Now the question is: these tires literally had less than a thousand. Brand new. We towed it a thousand miles and probably driven it. A hundred on these brand new oh. tires. Now the question is, do we trust this plug, this uh, patch on the tire to last? I think I do because the last time this happened to us on our previous set of tires, the plug lasted. Yes. 
And so they assured me that this patch would be permanent. And surprisingly enough, it didn't impact the balance of the tire. I think one of the factors was is that the holes were apparently extremely small and that it was in the tread. You can't patch the tire if, if it's in the sidewall. sidewall. So that's uh, a factor. And they didn't actually find any anything in the tire, but they did find two holes. So we have no idea what caused that. So we continued the trip west um, on Route 50, following the curves of the Arkansas River, can drove with great aplomb, and um, I admired the scenery. And all of a sudden I said to him, do you smell burning rubber? And often when you're driving in the mountains, you smell asbestos because people are riding their brakes too hard. So we were trying to figure out, is it when they wear away the brake pads? I don't think they have asbestos. Asbestos anymore? Or well, whatever that is. That, that smell. Break, break smell. But this was a rubber smell. Okay. And I barely got the words out of my mouth when we heard this kalump, 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 kalump. And it was this new exciting sound we'd never heard before. And Ken... But I felt nothing in the steering wheel. I felt no problem driving. I was going along the road. And if Martha hadn't mentioned something, it, I probably would have ignored it for a while longer. And, of course, we were on a two-lane road because well, 50 three. is not an expressway, and sometimes it had kind but of a But we've gone over Monarch Pass already, so we were not at the top of the pass. <laughs> sometimes it had a shoulder, sometimes it didn't, sometimes it had a passing lane. We were in a reasonably good spot to pull off the highway, and when we opened the door and looked outside, our hearts sank because the outside... Once again, our almost brand-new tires. Tire of our Michelin's. tandem Axle, our tag axle. Oh, the sidewall was just shredded, but it didn't fall off, and and it just and it kept clumping as we drove. And often when you have uh, when you have the tread separate or have a problem, that it it then causes body damage. So this tread was still on, but just the sidewall was shredded. I mean, which is a very unusual sort of blowout. And we had no body damage. And we have no spare. And we also had no cell phone service. Oh! Because we were 40 miles from a town and 80 mm. miles from a real town. Yeah. And how do you call for help when you can't use your cell phone? Ask people who are 50 years old. <laughs> oh, wait! You go, you go look for the payphone? I mean, there were no payphones either. Oh. Payphones? I haven't even thought it about it. It was just payphone. the worst place to break down. So I remember that we passed a small little store, oh, rock shop, in Cimarron, Colorado, Colorado. population three, (laughs) (laughs) a little while back. So we unhitched the car, Martha stayed with the motorhome, and I drove back to Cimarron, the big city of Cimarron, with one store. uh, And a post office. And two gas pumps. Uh, not a gas station, but two gas pumps as part of the store, and the rock shop. So I, well, interesting, I didn't even look for a pay phone. <laughs> that, that didn't even cross my mind. Well, nobody has pay phones anymore. You were <laughs> saying, what, what did we do in olden times? Yeah. That's what we would have So done. I went in and I talked to the proprietor of the rock shop, who was not all that busy, and it was a Sunday morning. That was another issue. Oh, it, was yeah, it was a Sunday morning. Sunday. Don't get stuck on a Sunday. And he uh, helpfully let me use his cell phone. His Wi-Fi. His Wi-Fi phone. And so I 
well, I started to call and got things back in operation, trying to find a replacement or you know some sort of tire. We have uh, two roadside services. Kind of three. Kind of three, right? So, so you started working on the first one. Yeah, I called and I thought we were going to have to sit on the side of the road until they came. <laughs> but it was Sunday, so nobody could come. They couldn't find a tire. They couldn't find a person to bring us a tire. I didn't feel like the roadside service was being unhelpful. I felt like they were almost as frustrated as we were. Well, and a lot of people complain about roadside services. And, you know, if you have Good Sam or you have uh, CoachNet or you have AAA or whoever you have, let's face it. They all contact the same types of network of network people. Pe- people to get things fixed because there are only a fixed number and everybody has their numbers. The proprietor at the gas station or at the store helped me and gave me a couple cards of people to call. One guy was out cutting firewood. Another guy <laughs> said his truck was laid up because it needed tires. It which needed is tires. <laughs> kind of ironic, huh? <laughs> and the guy says, well, well I'm not going to do anything until tomorrow. <sighs> so I went, I went back and chatted with Martha, who was chomping at the bit back at the ranch and on the RV. And, you know, cars were passing us by. It didn't know. feel safe. It wasn't safe. So and then s- I got the bright idea that Ken should call the police because we could get turned around and limp back to the rock shop on our three remaining tires on our axle. And the guy said that we could stay in his parking lot and be off the road. Yeah. So that's what we did. So we got the police. They helped us get back. It, it was good that we had, all four of our corners were supported by t- some tires. And one of them, we, you know, we have three on each side in the back. So if you don't have a tag for a while, it's not going to be a major disaster. But if you lost a steer tire, of course, that would be We'd something. Still be on the would still side be sitting on the side of the road. So anyway... We did a three-point turn in the middle of the expressway with the help of the police. Not an expressway. Well, a it was a three-lane three lane road, kind of, kind of. and we got turned around and went the couple hundred yards back to the store. And, as always, we are prepared to be boondocking. I always carry water. We have our solar panels and our generator and blah, 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 blah plenty of food. And... Oh, <laughs> This guy was charging $3.90 a gallon for fuel, which we didn't need. But but we could have gotten fuel yeah, there. we could too. have gotten fuel there. So there was this kind of a big parking lot type area. So we just stayed there for the night because the roadside services said, eh. Can't get anybody. Can't nope. find a tire. Oh. Just call us, call us, us tomorrow. Monday. And it was like the the roadside services, anybody would be not available. They were just weren't even answering their phones. And, of course, we were a fair distance from any size town. Montrose was the closest town, and it was over 20 miles away. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is going to be a... Ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> a ka-ching, ka-ching event. <laughs> Owning a motorhome is just not all that cheap. No, it's, it's <laughs> so, not for people on a tight budget, that's for sure. So, uh, Monday morning, we got up, and they said, well, you can call at 8 o'clock. So, we got up, uh, we went over to, we had to walk over to the office because the Wi-Fi the didn't Wi-Fi reach. The Wi-Fi extended 20 yards. <laughs> 
his Wi-Fi does. Because our phones could hook up to his Wi-Fi. He was nice enough to, the proprietor of the store was nice enough to give us uh, Wi-Fi access so we could use our phones. So we used uh, Wi-Fi calling, which uh, actually works out pretty nice. I mean, it, it worked pretty well. And uh, it gave us uh, access anytime we wanted to to making phone calls, both of us. As long as we were near the rock shop. Well, yeah, we had to sit there at the rock shop. So we were, most of the time you call and then they kind of, you have to call back and blah, 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 blah. So uh, eventually in the morning we contacted some folks and we got things connected. And the repairman was going to come out at 1 o'clock. And the good thing is, is that I could have gotten it sooner, but I wanted another Michelin because I wanted it to match the other tires. <laughs> Although replacing a Michelin tire that has only a thousand miles on it is really <laughs> and, and we still don't really tough. know for sure why it blew. So the guy comes out at one o'clock and uh, from Love's Love's truck stop. So the Love's guy went to pick up the tire at a tire at store. store. Because that guy didn't have anybody who could come out to help us. So the Love's man drives 80 miles one way <laughs> at $115 an hour to our location. I paid for a total of five hours of driving. Driving. <laughs> for this mechanic. He had to come from Grand Junction, which was a long way away. That was a much bigger city. Because all the cities in between didn't have any tires, tires. that we needed. <sighs> so, apparently left right away after we called, and you know it took a couple hours for him to drive to get us. So, he gets there, uh, we get the tire off, we get the new one on. With a, a little bit of help, I mean, uh, for one guy to do one of those big 22-inch They're tires is, uh, is a reason why I don't care spare. There's just no way that I could ever do this. By but, yourself. Yeah, but I could have saved because I would have the tire and almost anybody could put it on, I think. You could get somebody quickly. Mm. But where the heck are we going to put a huge tire that I can't even lift? In the bay. I don't know. It's it's yeah. a tough call. We don't. Yeah. So anyway, we don't have a spare tire. But these most tires, people, they only cost $800, so no problem at all. Right? No, I don't think so. Well, and if tires go bad just because they age, yeah, well, you buy a spare tire and you never use it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what to do? Uh, I think we spend the time on a Sunday and stay over Monday. And <laughs> Nash our teeth. Nash our teeth. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, that's that's an interesting idea. Should we carry a spare? I think most large motorhomes don't carry a spare. And it, it was fortunate also that it didn't damage the rim. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the sidewall blows out. Why did this happen? And on a related question, I said to you, here we have these tire pressure monitors. I oh, was yeah. in a tire pressure monitor when I said I could smell the burning rubber. Why didn't that dang thing go off? Which is a very good question. That didn't strike me as a problem at the time, but now it is obviously a problem. So I went out and inspected this new, this old tire very carefully. The tread was in perfect condition. There was no scuffing on it. Uh, I couldn't find any problem besides I couldn't see. There was no nail in it. There was no... Anyway, uh, we looked at it very carefully, and the sidewall was completely blown out. If you look at the pictures on our website, whew, it's a scary-looking tire. Shredded. Shredded. And it wasn't because it had... It, it hadn't. It wasn't like it came in contact with the with the pavement because the other tires were holding it up off. I mean, off it never the, ground, the yeah. rim never hit the ground. Yeah. 
So it was, wasn't like it was squashed onto the pavement and, and uh, shredded by the rim. But I did notice that the TPMS sensor, which of course is on the valve stem, was loose. When I unhooked it to put it <laughs> to allow so that the guy could could use the rim and, and uh, put the new tire on it, I started to unscrew it and it became it was very loose. So did it go loose during the blowout, or mm. did it cause the blowout? A loose tire thing could allow the air to, and I, of course, I in the morning I had walked around and you know looked at the tires and I didn't see any problems. Well, no, I wouldn't. I no. don't do that. No. So there is the possibility, and I don't make any claims. There is the possibility that this tire was deflating as we drove, and when it became floppy, floppy, and I wouldn't know it because the TPMS. Wouldn't well, sense it. didn't sense it. <laughs> it the, when the sun shines on the on the display, it's hard to see all the. And you know, it was had been reading all along without any trouble. Because anyway. it should tell you that it's not reading too. Oh dear it? listeners, what am I going to do? I don't know. Anyway, that be glad that we're not in worse shape. That's and that, if it, we had to blow a tire, that was the one to blow. So, bottom line is, is, is that we have now made it safely to St. George, which was we were Our destination. a little over two-thirds of the way, I would say. So we've driven several hundred more miles. and uh, On our new tires. On our new tire. Oh, yes, both tires. New and repaired tires. New and repaired tire, exactly. So, <sighs> problem avoided. Sorry for the long-winded uh, explanation there, but... <laughs> We needed to get it off of our chest. We're not used to this kind of thing. No. We don't have these problems. No, no. We're the RV navigators. We Why don't they know this? We, Man. we know what we're doing, right? <laughs> just goes uh, to show, no matter how hard you try to be proactive, you just can't do it in a big way. Uh, so can a, fit to a flat be fixed permanently? My sense is yes. Um, we had our, our previous tire fixed, and it, yes. So I'm not worried about the car tire anymore. It uh, should be good forever. Should you carry an inflator or a compressor? A compressor has a tank on it, which allows you to fill it up, and then you can unplug it and use it to fill a tire. Uh, and, of course, they're much bigger. Um, I'm about to leave my compressor, which I do carry at the present time, in Florida, and get a adequate inflator for the RV, so to save space. It's heavy. Emergency road services. What did we learn? Have many and call them all. <laughs> okay. Is it important to match the tires? The one they wanted to sell me, I could have gotten much quicker. And cheaper. Not on Sunday. But and I could cheaper. Have Oh, well, we don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know how much this whole thing is costing just yet. Yeah. Uh, I could have had a Hancock Made tire. in China? I could have had a Hancock. Okay. Made wherever. Wherever Hancocks are <laughs> so made. So I would, have, I would have seven Michelins and one Hancock. Is that a problem? That's what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. I need some advice from our listeners. You decided that it was a problem. And you well, a little longer. I've to decided get the it was worth waiting an extra two hours yeah, to get the, yeah, to the make Michelin. It match. I don't know what the price differential will be, however, but I know the Michelin's going to cost at least eight hundred dollars. <laughs> oh. And the other one was two years old. 
caught purchase in 2019. Yeah, yeah we bought the whole yeah. set. Remember, we and we uh, didn't do much driving in 2020 because no, nobody. No, we haven't done much at all. Uh, connectivity, cell phone connectivity in, in remote areas. How do you overcome this? You have some booster and antenna stuff, but it didn't do it. Yeah, we didn't get TV or... So I don't know how you overcome that sort of stuff. Uh, I was a little surprised. The police officer who stopped and talked to us and helped us said, oh, this area is renowned for not not having any service. And he said, well, you have to drive five miles up the road to the top of the mountain in order to get cell phone service. And that's where he had to go. So I guess there's no real way around dead cell phone. <laughs> but what do you do? I mean, there's really, and boy, you know, if we didn't have a car uh-huh. to go back and drive and get the help at the rock shop, I don't know what we would have done. I mean, it would have been a hell of a long walk. We would have just had to sit there and wait for the police to come or somebody to stop or help us. I don't know. Yeah. So you need to think about these things. During the time you were back at the rock shop calling people and trying to work on this, I watched for a a squad car for two and a half hours and I didn't see one. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were just whizzing by. Yeah, so... So shortly after that we drove from western Colorado into Utah on the expressway, thank goodness, and we hit a highway that said no services for 100 miles and I thought, oh my God. But I'm not sure if that meant no cell services. I think along I-70 there's probably cell service all the way along. And, and a big well, that was that's would be that's an advantage to to driving on the big super highways is that I think they have not only service trucks and service centers that will come out and help you, but there's also cell service so that you can call because this love station that we uh, had the service from was from Grand Junction, which is on I-70, uh-huh. and it was our destination <laughs> because we didn't take I-70 from Denver over to Grand Junction. We took a, we took the southern route on, on I-50, uh, not I-50, <laughs> I don't I wish it was I-50. Um, on 50, we it added, they said, about seven or eight hours to your drive. We took it over a couple, three days. We stayed, we went to a national park in the middle, and, you know, I mean, so it was... It was beautiful. We enjoyed yeah. it. And, and we were at elevation, so it wasn't so hot like it is here. Yeah, we actually used our furnace. Yeah. Can you believe that? A week ago, now, we were... when you posted about this on, on the RV Navigator Facebook page, some people asked you about satellite phone. Would that have been helpful? Yeah, but that's really expensive uh-huh. on a monthly basis. I mean, I just can't justify having a satellite phone. Unless you travel and a of lot course, of lonely highways. And I was thinking about using, uh, like, Starlink, uh, and I don't think we could have even gotten Starlink because we didn't have the open sky like we needed. We could get our satellite TV worked fine. Yeah, it did. But Starlink needs a like a 180 degree sky. And when you're in the mountain valley. Which we were, you wouldn't. So that wouldn't have worked for calling either. But I don't know what a good solution. Get out a flag and wave. <laughs> Somebody down. I don't I don't know. Uh, but the two-lane highways in Colorado are kind of fun. And we uh, drove them, and, and they're winding and, and curvy, and, and 50 is a, a pretty nice road, though. And I hate to block off traffic, and I try to be as courteous as possible, but uh, this road had quite a few three-lane sections, which is where we broke, broke down, which means that it has a, a lane in each direction and then a center lane for passing. Uh, and then it had quite a few pullouts, uh, which when cars got behind me, I would uh, pull over and let them pass because I don't want to have uh, frustrated drivers behind me making stupid 
decisions on trying to pass. So the trip out here has been a, an excitement. And, of course, that is one of the reasons why we go on a caravan. If you are really worried about these things, you will travel in a caravan. Of course, we are traveling in a caravan, but we weren't at the caravan just yet. But the caravan that we are traveling in, we have uh, 20 rigs, and we will be uh, going down some winding and roads. And if there's a problem, there's always the tail gunner at the end who will stop and provide you with service. So if you're thinking about traveling and doing some of these major uh, tourist attractions out west or in the northeast or Alaska or wherever, you might want to consider doing a caravan. The other thing that we really enjoy about caravanning is even though with this trip we are visiting virtually every place we've been before, uh, we had a wonderful day today doing something that we could not have done on our own. St. George is a very historic town with a proud history from the beginning of Mormons coming to Utah and we attended a like a living history yeah. talk all morning uh, where various people talked to us in various locations about and they were dressed in volunteers in, that were in old fashioned clothes and they pretended they were from the time and they talked about their experiences here and how they got here and then what was really amazing to me is that a number of them were Actually, descendants of the original pioneers who came here and, and tamed the West. Uh, and it was a delightful morning. We had been in that same historic area. We had talked to some docents. We'd read some signs. We wandered around. And it wasn't nearly the experience that we had today because we were in a, in a group and this was arranged for us. So we have done many of the sites on our own because we've been to St. George here two or three times. Mostly in cold weather. Mostly in cooler weather. Uh, and this uh, time, though, we did some things we actually w we could not have done as individuals, and that's the big advantage of going on a caravan. Uh, not only do they take care of all of the details of the trip, you know, all the campgrounds are taken care of, they've pre-selected them, they have a route which is predetermined and exact, uh, they tell you exactly how to get there, you don't even need a GPS, I don't think, because it's turn-by-turn uh, -turn instructions to get to the next campground, but there's somebody following up behind you so that there's always uh, somebody who's looking out for you if you're it, well, there's a, we have a single woman who's driving her RV here and I think that would be kind of a a, a factor which would uh, way in favor of being going on a caravan. So, of course, caravans are somewhat more expensive, <laughs> obviously. They include meals, they include tours, uh, and tomorrow we're going on a, a bus tour to Zion National Park. So, you know, you might want uh, might not want to be driving, and, and several of these people on this trip don't have toads. And, of course, some people have the, the big dually pickups that you wouldn't want to drive on some of these little roads either. Uh, so the, going to the national parks is a, a nice way to uh, join a caravan and, and do it that way. When we first uh, booked this trip last winter, we had become fully vaccinated and felt pretty good about it and thought that by this time in 2021 that COVID would be over. And of course it is not. And so that's got us thinking once again about 
how is COVID going to affect our travels and how has it changed our world? <laughs> so even though it appears that everybody in our group has been vaccinated, they haven't been in our bubble until just now. And we don't know what kind of germs are in their noses, nor do they know about us. And, exactly. and it's all kind of nerve wracking once again. Uh, so that's making us revisit the whole topic of, of COVID and how it has changed us. We were kind of amazed when we booked this trip that we were we're thinking that COVID would be virtually over, over yeah. but now we are here in the middle of it again. Although this part of Utah doesn't seem to be uh, very infectious. We don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're kind of in the bubble here anyway. Yeah. But to, to me, the real problem is is the hospitals are so full. Yeah. As long as you're not in the hospital, you might not be aware of it. So how has the COVID impacted our overall life? I, I think pretty much it has. Um we see several uh, things, shifts in our society that are really happening. And one of them is the great reshuffling, shuffling wealth to the exurbs. Because you don't have to be in the big city to do your job anymore. People have moved all over, and some of them are continuing to work even more effectively than they did when they went into the office every day. And therefore they can live wherever they want, which is cool. So it's not a given uh, that you and have how to... how long would that shift have taken had it not been for COVID? And I think bosses were worried, I think they still are some of them, that people are doing what they should be doing and that the work is getting done. But it seems from what I've read that for the most part, if anything, people have been more conscientious because they wanted to prove that, that they were still good employees even though you couldn't keep an eye on them all the time. The pandemic has altered the shopping habits beyond return. That's why we had the Amazon <laughs> truck in our driveway every day and now for this upcoming month but no amazon for you yes but i think even even more the people are actually doing shopping it's hard to go to the walmart and walk in the aisles without having these uh, sh- shoppers there picking up filling for, orders filling for orders for other people that are going to come and every restaurant every store as i'm sure you dear listeners have noticed has a section for the curbside pickup haven't you noticed that? Yes. I mean, almost every store. And how long would that end? And many restaurants, too. And we have actually, <coughs> even though we could go to the restaurants, we go to and pick, do pickup because it's more fun to eat at home. Can be. Oh. Can be. As long as the wife doesn't have to cook it, right? Right, right. right. And, of course, I'm feeling really bad for all of my um, teacher colleagues who are not retired yet and their students who are thinking that they can go back to in-person school and have a normal school day, and and it would appear that that is far from the case, depending on where you live and how things are are going. All the young children who haven't had an opportunity to be vaccinated, more and more of them are getting sick. Wearing a mask when it's 102 degrees in your community is, is very unpleasant hard to learn when you're so uncomfortable Uh, so that hasn't quite turned out the way we thought it would either high expectations and low vaccine acceptance pose recovery threats we were so excited in february and january when we got our first our shots and everybody was demanding it and there was no supply and it was just interminable the wait to get the shots people compared it to the hunger games i remember right (laughs) And now, 
the low acceptance is just unbelievable that people don't go out and get their shots. Why don't people believe in science? Yeah, we, don't, we don't get and it. And I mean, well, I don't want to get into the politics of this, but boy. And it makes me sad to see all these people suffering because they're yes. sick and all the medical personnel who have to care for them who are just exhausted from the... And we're right in the middle of it right now. So, so that's it's why so it's so not the, over. right there on the forefront for us. Remote learning threatens the $670 billion college and the college industrial, industrial complex. complex. Yeah, I would say from my experience that colleges were in need of some renovation as well. And if nothing else, this COVID experience makes us all think about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Because usually you just tend to do the same old thing in the same old way. That's how we've always done it. And that's obviously not appropriate in, in many different situations. And we notice that uh, there are a lot of people going out of business. Uh, we just have a, a, a movie theater right here that's for sale. And I don't know if movie theaters are ever going to come back. back and, yeah. and I think a lot of colleges and universities are going to be in a similar situation because the students realize they can do their work online and do it remotely. And that uh, the physical student at college level is not uh, maybe as important as we thought it was. Pharmaceuticals. COVID vaccines will deliver long-term health boost for drug makers. you got to think. Yeah. They're making with the government spending billions and Our billions. tax dollars at work. I really appreciate having it for, well, for free, yeah. supplied by yeah. the government. But, boy, this has got to make a major change in the way we deliver drugs to people. Well, this is another interesting one. Here to help. The era of big government is back. Uh, and the government taking over and helping you, and you know we're seeing these bills being passed. We better not talk too much about this. No, no. <laughs> but there's some things that you just can't do by yourself. Yeah. Or in your town. And you can call it socialism, but it's actually group group working together to solve problems. Sure, because yeah. it's it's much better. It's like the caravan. As a group, you can do much more than you can just individually, as we're finding out. So. And on a large scale. Insurance, the last one. COVID isn't done changing the life insurance industry just yet. I yeah. don't understand that one exactly. Or medical insurance. Yeah. Yeah, how are we going to pay all these bills? That's something else to think about. So what things do you keep on hand for your RV repair work? Tape. Her mouth drops. <laughs> the blind goes blank. And your silicone spray. Oh, you like silicone spray? You use it all the time. No. Now you're, you're making a mistake here. Why? I use... Silicone and silicon. There's a difference? Yeah. They're spelled the same? What's the... <laughs> what's well, there's one that's an adhesive. Yes. And then there's one that you spray that's sort of a lubricant, yes. but it's not Dry. sticky. So the so that's those two, things, those two things are essential. You use those all the time. I know, but you have to make the distinction between okay. them. One is an, is an adhesive, the silicon adhesive, and the other is the silicone, which is the spray, which you can use for lubricating all sorts of things. Like the door when it squeaks. Can you use it to lubricate wipes? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. Okay. What other things? Well, obviously, these days, I want to keep a tire pressure gauge on hand. And the air And the inflator. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Electrical multimeter. A VOM. Very inexpensive at uh, Harbor Freight. You need a VOM to test fuses and see if there's electricity in the line and to any time you need them, you do electrical stuff. Gorilla tape. Mm. Is Which that is better a, than duct tape? It's, it's a super... I use Gorilla tape all the time, and it, it's a very strong 
duct tape. Uh-huh. A turnabond tape. Ooh. Huh? A turnabond tape. I don't know what that is. That's used for for fixing holes in your roof. Oh, that white stuff. Yeah. It's white, yeah. Yeah. Ah, and a cordless electric drill. Absolutely essential. I actually have two or three. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you should have more batteries than you should have the drills. <laughs> they seem to kind of... I have an electric screwdriver and an electric drill. At inopportune times, they kind of are out one, of I have one for indoors and one for outdoors in the motorhome, as well as a couple at home. <laughs> If it plugs in, I gotta have it. That's true. Okay, so those are things that you might want to give a give a shout to when you are thinking about buying things for your RV. Well, of course, we're talking about internet and how to get yourself connected to the internet, which is always a, a big problem. But the question becomes, how do you uh, connect to the internet using Starlink? And I w- Starlink has really come along, and they have uh, over 1,800 satellites in orbit. But in the past few months, they've stopped launching. Well, a couple reasons. Because they can't get liquid oxygen in Florida because it's going to the hospitals for the COVID patients. Oh, my. Is that, oh, that's a sad story. It is. But they're all, they've also stopped uh, sending Starlink because they're redesigning the satellites. And they're redesigning them so that they have the laser interconnectivity. You remember that from before? Mm-mm. One of the problems with Starlink is, is that it has to have a base station within a reasonable distance. Mm-hmm. So the the base station sends to each of the satellites, and the base station has to be within the satellite's view, and the satellite only has a limited view because it's low Earth. Then what do you do in the ocean? (laughs) Exactly the problem. (laughs) Boy, her brain is firing on all cylinders tonight, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And so what do you do in the ocean? You don't have it. Exactly. So they've redesigned the satellites so that they now have communication with laser between the satellites while they're in orbit. Mm-hmm. So not only are the satellites communicating with the base station and with the uh, individual units on the ground, but they're also communicating between themselves and extending the reach of the base stations, essentially, with lasers. Wow. So Elon has the brainstorm that he's going to put up, I don't know, 25,000 of these things, and they're going to be blanketing the Earth. Right now, you can get uh, Internet service throughout uh, the world. And they're talking about they've got the first layer with these 1,800 satellites done so that in most countries throughout the world, except in the very far north and very far south, you can get connected to the Internet with their service. And, of course, in the United States, there are lots of people talking about it. But they've had a problem with uh, putting together the receivers because they don't have the chips. So they've had they have 100,000 users. They want to get up to 600,000 users, but it's still in beta. And I read uh, the post about this, and it's, it's this Starlink is not designed, this version of Starlink is not designed for mobile. And I don't mean motion mobile, but I mean moving it around mobile. Like RVers do. Like RVers do. We don't need it while we are traveling down the road, but it would be nice to have once we get to our destination. But you cannot rely on Starlink once you get to a destination because you have to. they have to have an, a, a slot open for you in that cell in order for you to get service. And you don't know whether there's going to be a slot open. 
And as more and more people get join the beta, there are obviously going to be filled up slots. So if I move to St. <laughs> George, Utah, uh, I put in my zip code here and they may have service for me, they may not, and they may have service for me tomorrow and they didn't have it today. That's a problem. It's not really designed for mobile, although Elon has actually mentioned RVs in his uh, update about Starlink, and he's going to be making uh, new mobile receivers that will be designed with uh, mobile mobility in mind. So that's coming down the road, and that's good. We are looking forward to uh, giving it a try. I've thought about getting into the beta, but it just it doesn't make it worth it right now. Are they gonna, we saw this thing on TV where there's all this space junk and detritus that's floating around up there. Is he going to be able to shoot his lasers through all that garbage that's floating around? More likely is what's going to happen when the satellites go bad and, and they, are the gar- they are their garbage. I, this is a big problem. If he puts up 25,000 satellites, I mean, We've that's, already befouled the Earth and now we're befouling outer space, too. Yeah. Oh. The the full shell of satellites is fifteen hundred and eighty four plus spares. They're finally in orbit, so that's uh, wow. That's an amazing event, and I think we have talked about this before because we we've been watching the, the launches from from Florida, well, yeah. but since May there have been no launches, and that's uh, apparently why. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to stay tuned, and we'll see. Do you want to know who manufactures stuff? in the RV industry. Well, it's interesting that all the RV manufacturers and the brands that they make have been published in a new little pamphlet that's uh, available as a PDF. A 105-page report from RVTravel.com. Thanks. Who makes what? Who makes what? And we're going to put a link to that, of course, on the website so that you can download this. But it's often a good idea. Uh, every manufacturer <laughs> makes uh, a number of brands. And as we know, now we now know, Numar is now a Winnebago. Made, is now a Winnebago. <laughs> Tiffins are made by Thor, which you wouldn't know unless, unless you have this 150 pages. That's what it said. I wow. Think. And there's so many names and so many models. As often as we've gone to RV shows, you just, I just can't keep them straight. No, of course not. But it is good to know because some manufacturers have a better reputation than others. Well, I'm getting pretty warm. I'm trying to turn the air conditioner back on. Sorry. We, we could have talked about a few new things, but we're sweating. <laughs> We try to stay in, in the, the 70s. 70s. What the heck happened here? Right we are not inside. It's it's uh, coming up to 10 o'clock at night, and it's still 85 degrees outside. Or oh, it's more. a dry heat. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> It's still well, the good thing is is that uh, from here we head to the, the north rim of the Grand Canyon, Hi. where we will probably be uh, having the heat on. And so you have to look forward to the exciting next month of us talking about uh, lots of new places, lots of new places that we have been and places we have seen, and making suggestions for you, dear listener, to join us on these uh, planned caravans. It would be fun. So with that, 
We could see you in a campground near near us. us. If you're in the Grand Circle of National Parks, we're going to be going to the South Rim, to the North Rim, to Zion, to Bryce, to to Moab, to... Look for rigs that have big decals (laughs) on the back of them, because we all have to be able to recognize one another. And we are number 19. It's just in case you happen to see us driving down the road, look for a big yellow 19, and that will be the RV Navigator. We used to be 24 when we were on a bigger caravan, but now we're 19. Yep. By next month, this will be over, and we will be at the Balloon Festival for the next month. Good times. Yes, good times. Uh, It's good to be back on the road, and uh, we hope that uh, you can join the families and all the groups that are finally getting out to doing RVing. And we will see you next month. Happy travels. Happy travels.